0: Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. We're doing just a one-week standalone thing. This is not a series. This is just a, a simple message for this week as we prep and get ready for next week to jump into our All In series. And so this week I've titled our message, Humility in a Selfish World. Humility in a Selfish World. How many of you agree that the world we live in is rather selfish? And I would say this, if you drive anywhere up 75 during rush hour, you will quickly see that we live in a selfish world. Because man, nobody wants to merge because that spot where you're trying to get is more precious to them than your life. And they are willing to do what they can to make sure you don't get there, right? We're, we see it all the time. There is selfishness in the world around us and we can make jokes all day about, about the selfish things we see. And we got the people that drive down the shoulder when everybody's stopped and they're just flying past you. And if that's you, you need to repent. That's um, just, the Lord told me he doesn't like that. Um, it was in a dream one night, and God said, Ryan, be the voice of the Lord and tell them, stop. You know, you know, So we live in a world that's selfish, and we all have our selfish tendencies, don't we, right? There are things that we do. You may be the person that reaches for the last dinner roll without asking if anybody else wants it, right? And you go, man, that looks, yep, that's mine, right? I've done it. Man alive, I've done it a million times, so... I use carbo loading, right? I'm just, it's, I'm looking out for my health. So my children have me when they're, I don't know. That's not true. I'm eating a roll. So, you know what I mean? But we have our selfish tendencies, right? There's things that we all do because we live in a world that is naturally selfish, it's very self-seeking. And we can make jokes and we can make light of the situation, but maybe there's actually deeper-rooted issues within the selfishness of, of maybe our character and our nature and some of those things. Maybe it's, it's unwilling to compromise in relationships. Maybe it's the, the sense of saying, no, I am right all the time. You need to come into alignment with what I'm saying. Or, or maybe it's telling, telling your children, no, I don't have time for you right now. I'm going to rest and watch a movie. Or, or the simple little things where you go, okay, I'm fighting selfish desires and tendencies in my life that I need to set aside. So we'll talk today about humility in a selfish world. Humility in a selfish world. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5 is the start of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you read Matthews 5, 6, and 7, that is the Sermon on the Mount. That is from the the mouth of Jesus himself. So anytime Jesus speaks, we should probably pay attention to those words and and hear what he has to say. And uh, I want to go through the first four Beatitudes this morning. We don't have the time to walk through all of the Beatitudes, but we will take time with the first four this morning. And we'll start in in verse 1. So chapter 5, Verse one, it says this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them the beatitudes. He said this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Father, today, anoint my lips, anoint my words to speak your word. God, I pray that that what comes out of my mouth will be led of you and guided by you, Father, as you lead us into a deeper understanding of your word. Father, as your word takes root into our heart and leads us into changed lives, and we thank you for it. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Like I said, today we're not gonna go through all of the Beatitudes. I'm just gonna focus on the first four Beatitudes uh, that we come across because uh, I I think that we will find that there is a central idea and theme uh, through these words that Jesus is conveying and communicating to us. And, And kind of the big idea for today is this, the humble believer finds favor in the eyes of God. The humble believer finds favor in the eyes of God. Humility plays a valuable part in our relationship with the Lord. Humility is is, is crucial, it's vital in order to receive the full blessing that God has for us in our walk with him. The first thing this morning is this. Admit your need for God. Admit your need for God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a verse that's often misinterpreted or misunderstood, unintentionally or intentionally, I have no idea. I'm not trying to cast blame on somebody for for misinterpreting scripture. but But what we find is a lot of times people hinge on the simple statement, blessed are the poor. And yes, there are verses that, that talk through those things and there are definitely things wrong with vanity and, 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 and with excessive and things of that nature, right? But we, we can get into those heart issues that can arise from those things and having is not bad and being poor is not bad and having is not necessarily better than having less or anything. That's not what this is about. But oftentimes people look at the word poor and they hinge on that word poor and they don't take into account that it says poor in spirit. So that often gets overlooked or neglected or that they say, blessed are those who are poor in the spirit or blessed who are, those who are poor in the Holy Spirit that are, and they interpret it to mean that, that the Lord has in turn made them poor and out of that will come blessing. And that is not uh, the interpretation that is intended. That is not the meaning that we are trying to find in this, uh, in, in this, in this verse and in this, in this part of the Beatitudes. What we're finding is that it's, it's actually about Understanding that our spirit is impoverished, that our spirit is in desperate need of God. Our spirit is is poor. Our spirit is, is, is without. It does not have what it needs. And so we are in need of God, of a savior who is able to in turn supply what our spirit is in need of. So he's saying blessed are the poor in spirit. So this comes to a, a recognition of the impoverished, the impoverished state of our spirit. And he's saying, if you recognize that, you understand that you see how you are poor in spirit, yours is the kingdom of heaven. This is speaking simply to salvation. Right? When we recognize our need of a savior, Jesus says, if you see how poor you are in spirit, in turn, your gift is the kingdom of heaven. And our journey to become selfless believers, to become humble believers, it starts by removing our pride and recognizing our need for somebody else. We have to recognize our need for somebody else. It's easy for us to simply overlook where we have need. For me personally, as a man, right? I want to be, I'm going to be a man, right? I have this ability to think immediately, I can do that. I don't care what it is, I immediately go, I can do that. Why pay somebody? I can do that, right? How many, can other, other men in the room, can you relate to that? Like just a natural thought, right? You just go, why, why would, I can do that. And, and, and so maybe it's, it's like this manly pride that just is like, no, I'm going to be a man today. I have tools. I'm going to make it happen. And it usually ends up with me going, who can I call to come fix what I just made happen, right? Uh, you it, know, it's the reality of it. And we go, man, I wish Todd Simpson would come to my house and fix this. Right. It's that kind of thing. Cause if you don't know Todd or Raul, they can do it. I'm just telling you this, but we have this, we, we have this tendency, right. To just draw on our ability and you go, I can fix this. I can take care of this. I can make this happen. And that is the exact opposite of the heart of the believer, or what the heart of the believer should be, right? Especially as it pertains to our soul and our spirit. The reality is, no, we can't make it happen. There's no way that we ourselves can pay the penalty or that we ourselves can can bring atonement for our sin. In fact, the, the Old Testament way of doing things was a recurring, repetitive process that had to be done over and over and over because there was not yet a sacrificial lamb in Jesus to fully pay the price, right? And so they would have to go over and over. They themselves could not fully pay the price through a sacrificial lamb that they would sacrifice. It was only through Jesus and it's, it's through Jesus that we find the, the penalty is paid. It starts with recognizing that we are poor in spirit, that we are not capable on our own, that we need somebody. We need the Lord. We need God. And when we recognize that, the blessing is the kingdom of heaven of which I would say there's no greater blessing. There's no greater blessing than the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. It's to say that that all of my filthy rags and all that, that I have done wrong and every sin that I have carried, that when I lay it at the feet of Jesus and I say, I am broke, I am spiritually poor, this is all I can give to you. And he takes it and says, That's all I'm asking for. And in turn, he gives the kingdom of heaven. Think about that for a minute. You and I have done nothing to deserve the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. But it's all by the work of Jesus that we lay down what we have, and in turn, he gives us so much more. It's the greatest blessing. The first thing is we need to admit our need for God. The second thing is to stand broken before the Lord. And the verse verse four says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. He's referring to, Jesus here is referring to, to godly people that don't conceal their sinfulness and the sinfulness of people that are around them. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, there is a a brokenness and a grieving for your soul, mourning over your soul. I want to think about the the Israelite people for a minute. How many times were, were, were they cast into exile? How many times were they taken captive by another country? And every time there is this mourning process, there is this grieving and this brokenness where they go, oh God, what have we done? And it's this recognition of their sin. It's the recognition of their faults and, and what they've done wrong. And, and, and what we're seeing here is Jesus is playing on these thoughts. Remember, at this time, the Jewish people are actually under Roman control. Here they are, yet again, controlled by another people because of, of, of their Inuit. You can go through the whole process. There's a huge history and things of that nature. But here we are. They find them. They recognize they can relate to past generations of Israel. They can see it. They understand it. And they look at it and they go, Oh God, look at our brokenness. And he said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They will be comforted. Have you ever had a moment of broken repentance? When all of a sudden God grips your heart and reveals to you things that you were unaware of, and you go, Oh God, I'm so sorry. I had a moment like that. I was in my bedroom. And I had come to the end of, of my rope, so to speak, in, in my life and in, in where I was with, with, with sinfulness and just junk that I was carrying and then the lies that I was using to cover it up and just digging myself a deeper and deeper hole, just, just pouring it on top and pouring it on top all to hide and cover and conceal because my pride, my pride wouldn't allow me to just be real and be humble and say, I am broken and I'm sinful and I need help. And I remember finally coming to that place of complete brokenness and humility before the Lord. And you know what I didn't find in that moment? I didn't find condemnation. I didn't find that the Holy Spirit was judging me or casting me out. I didn't find that, that the Holy Spirit was, was, was telling me I was worthless or that I would never amount to anything. I didn't find that the Holy Spirit was, was saying, you know what? Forget about it. Ministry's not for you. I didn't find that the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to be done. You need to, you need to just get rid of this whole thing and this facade of a life that you're living. I didn't find any of that. You know what I found? I found comfort. I found Peace. There's no greater peace than the grace of God. There's no greater peace than the grace of Jesus knowing that no matter what you've done, the grace of God is greater and that the grace of God covers and that the grace of God brings peace. You just have this moment where there is, is comfort and grace and mercy and all of it wrapped into one spot. And, and in that moment for me, all I could do was weep this this i'm a man i can do it myself just broken and just weeping and but but not in a sorrowful way anymore it went from mourning and grieving for my soul to weeping under the power of god and his just his grace and just going god loves me in spite of me he gives grace Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is a continuation of the very first beatitude that we just read. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We recognize that we are poor in spirit, right? We, we admit that we need God, and we get to this place where we are, are humbly broken before the Lord, and we say, oh God, I mourn for my soul. I mourn, I grieve. The word, the word mourn in the Greek is actually the word pentheo, and pentheo means to grieve or to be sad, it's this, this true emotional word that we find in the Greek where it's, it, it's just this heaviness and this brokenness in our soul. And Jesus is saying, when you get to that place of mourning and that place of grieving, you're gonna find comfort. You're not gonna find being pushed off or being cast away. You're gonna find grace that wraps around you. It's incredible. It's incredible what you, what you experience in a moment of mourning, in a moment of brokenness. The third thing is this. Give up your quest for personal rights. Give up your quest for personal rights. Remember, the humble believer finds favor in the eyes of God. The humble believer finds favor in the eyes of God. Verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The meek are the ones who, out of humility, would suffer injury, not because they are weak, but because they're humble. I want you to understand this meekness is not weakness, there is a difference. There's very much a difference. Oftentimes in our mindset, we think of people who are meek as pushovers. Or we think of people who are meek as, as, as easy to push around or to, to kind of say, no, you go do this and, and push them aside. That's not, that's, that's, there's a difference between meekness and weakness. In fact, we find in scripture that Moses was meek. We find that Jesus was meek. And I don't think any of us would ever uh, just jump to the conclusion that either of them were weak. I don't think we would ever look at him and go, Moses, that guy was such a pushover, right? Like, that's probably not what we're going to say. The guy who walks before Pharaoh and like says, let my people go, right? And he says, okay, fine, then I'll show you what's up, right? And then all the plagues happen. I, I don't think that guy's weak. And he goes, if you don't do something, your, your son's going to die, right? And death angel comes and then he does die. And I think Moses, you have to be a pretty strong person to walk up to the Pharaoh and be like, listen, unless you do this, I mean, if you don't let us go, then God's going to kill your children, Right? It's a strong person, right? That's, that's not, that's, there's not weakness there. There's meekness. So meekness is, is the wisdom to know when and the humility to know when not to. So there's a difference. So, so weakness says, okay, whatever you want. You know what, I'm just gonna back off and I'm gonna stand back here and be quiet and y'all just do what you need to do and I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna speak up. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be back here but meekness says i'm going to pay attention and be aware and observant i have the authority to speak when need to and i have the wisdom to discern when to speak there's a difference i think meekness is someone, one of those things it's it's difficult to find that balance in right I think it's, it's, it's some of us, we, we want to just like jump in and just do it. Have you ever met somebody who just power trips on everything? Like they get the this ounce of authority and then they don't know how to rein it in or to use it properly, right? So I used to work at a restaurant in Saxey, Texas called Country Junction. What's your function? And it is not open any longer. Country Junction has closed. Sad to say. It's a true story, but it's not open anymore. But I had a boss and her name was Marcy. Marcy was awesome. She was fantastic. She did not power trip. She kept it in control. She dated a police officer in Saxe, Texas. And now I have a a lot of great friends who were police officers in Saxe that were phenomenal. Officer Job, I almost left him unnamed, but that just kind of came out, so never mind. He didn't always keep his power in check and his authority as an officer in check. So he would come into the restaurant, mind you, as the manager's boyfriend, and start telling us what to do. And I'm going, I don't work for you. And then he would flash his badge. And I'm like, what does that have to do? You don't, you don't have jurisdiction over the tables I clean. Like, that's not how this works. Like, I don't- hey, some customers just walked in. Clearly, those girls over there that are working the front are going to seat them. I'm going to do my job. It was this kind of deal, and he would walk straight in every time. I'm not kidding. He would walk straight in, go right to the back, and fill up the largest cup we had, and then leave. And I'd be like, who are you? Like, what is it? Like, hey, get out of my... I'm just stuff like that. So one time, I thought it would be funny to tell him that he was breaking traffic violations. And uh, he pulled up to the back of our restaurant, and he left the car running with the keys in the ignition in his police car, mind you, unlocked in a fire lane. And I walked over to him. I was like, hey, dude, I think you're illegally parked and you left your car running, which is also illegal. And he walked me outside and showed me that his license plate said exempt. And I go, I don't think that's what that means. And he goes, you better get back inside. And I said, I think I'm going to get back inside. But if you dealt with those people that are just, like they're power trippy, you know, and I'm just trying to mess with the guy. I'm totally trying to joke with him. He, He wanted nothing to do with it. Their relationship didn't last long. And I was like, Marcy, I think you did the right thing. In the end, but I was going, man. You you see these people that they have the authority and and they have the the power, and they don't have meekness. They don't know how to use it. They don't know how to walk in it. They don't know how to be humbly, uh, you know, humbly lead others, or how to how to humbly use the authority given to them. You see, and see, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be meek. See, God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We have the empowerment so that we can be witnesses, right? And, and sometimes we, we, we kind of yield that uh, you know, unnecessarily in, in ways that we shouldn't, you know, and do things that we shouldn't. But, but Jesus says, no, meekness, meekness, knowing when to step out in the authority that I've given you and knowing when to step back. There's there's humility and there's this balance, humility in that. I already mentioned Moses and that the Bible says, you know, the Bible says he was the most humble man. The most humble man. And here's Moses who is leading the nation of Israel and he's doing it out of a place of humility. Out of a place of Humility. And we all know that Moses struggled with with self-doubt and he struggled with with his ability to speak and all of these different things. And so maybe naturally there was some humility built into who he was because of his deficiencies or because of what he felt as as were deficiencies. But, But what we find is that Moses was humble in his leading. He was meek in his approach to leading the nation of Israel. Jesus was meek. Jesus knew when to speak, and he knew when to show his deity, and he knew when to show his, his strength and his humanity. I, I think one of the craziest weeks of his life in the whole Passion Week scenario where you go from one scene, Jesus is flipping tables over in the temple, and he said, my house would be called a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves, and, and it's that righteous indignation. That's not weakness, right? He's running through and just flipping tables over and he's probably flexing and kissing them as he goes, right? Like, He's like, I'm Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Have you seen the Italian paintings of me on the cross? I'm ripped, you know what I'm saying? He may not have done that. Scripture leaves that open-ended, we don't know. Something like that. But then on the flip side of that, we have him in the garden and the guards come and they take him And then the ear is cut off and Jesus reaches and puts it back on and he basically says, it's okay. It's okay. It's meekness. There's a difference between weakness and meekness. It's the wisdom to know and the humility to be able to submit to it. In this world, we live in this world that battles in this part more than anything, right? Right? Because our our selfish desires want to say, no, I'm going to get mine in this moment. I'm going to stick up for my needs and my wants and what I want to see happen. And it's easy to fall into that trap and to fall into that game where it is a constant struggle and a battle between humility and pride, between selfishness and selflessness and being able to set aside my desires to hear the voice of God to hear the word of God, to know what is he speaking, how is he leading, because God will speak. He will speak. But we have to humble ourselves to a place where we are willing to listen. And the next thing is this. Number four is maintain a hunger for the Lord. Verse six says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This means pursuing right relationship with both God and man. And it starts with the pursuit of right relationship with the Lord. It starts with hunger and thirst for the things of the Lord. This is separate from the righteousness we're clothed in from the, like, the, the first point when we receive Christ, right? We are clothed in righteousness then, right? We take on the righteousness. This is separate from that. This is that now pursuing of, that pursuit of righteousness. This is that sanctification process. This is that moving from where we are to where God has called us to be in that continual eternal pursuit of Christ, in that eternal pursuit of Christ likeness, right? And we're all at different points in that in our walk with the Lord. That's the reality of it. But this is saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And he's saying, pursue the things of the Lord. It starts in the word of God. Read the word of God. I I, I say this all the time. If you want to hear the voice of God, start by reading the word of God. If you want to hear God speak, he has spoken. He'll continue to speak and continue to do so. But start with the Word of God. Read the Word of God because God's going to speak there. And as you begin to download and, and, and digest the Word of God, all of a sudden, righteousness begins to build up in you. And then beyond that, spend time in prayer, right? This is that, that hunger and that thirst. These are just practical things, right? You go, okay, I need to read the Word and I need to pray. And God's going to begin to build those in you. And it's not just about the pursuit of righteousness in understanding and in knowledge of the Word of God or, or, or closeness in relationship to the Lord, but allowing that then in turn to flow out in your relationship with others that's the greatest litmus test so to speak of your righteousness and where you are in your walk with the Lord is how you interact and relate to other people now, that's not to say that someone's more saved than another person. We're not getting into all of that. That's not, where, <laughs> that's not what this means. It's not what this is, you know, there's not different classifications in heaven when you get there. And Jesus be like, okay, he was more spiritual. His mansion's a little bigger. Sorry, you didn't read enough, right? And that's not, how this, that's not what this is. This is the understanding that, that we are all walking and growing in Christ. Not just a once I got saved and boom, I'm set, I'm good, I'm walking and, and we're just gonna live life now. No, 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 this is about a pursuit of Jesus, right? And we see that played out in, in, in the degree of our righteousness played out within our relationships with one another. Because in our pursuit of righteousness, it's gonna lead us into meekness, right? It's gonna lead us into that humility in which we are called to live in our everyday life where we say, okay, in my pursuit of righteousness, I have found that I am willing to, to lay down selfish desires to do what the right thing is. And that's hard to swallow sometimes. Where you go well. What about what about me? Because the world is all about you know. You need me time, and that's not to take away from the fact that yes, there are times where we just need to get away from people, and we need to just recoup and refresh. But I think we've gotten unbalanced, where it's like I need me time about 17 hours a day, so that I can be prepped and ready, and then it's bedtime. right? This is kind of the the world we're in. It's just this this selfishness and this battle that's back and forth. It's like pulling and, and pushing back and forth where we go, okay, I want to be used of the Lord. I want to be led of God, but I have this that I want to do too. And Jesus is saying, let those things go pursue righteousness and be led by those things. Pursue righteousness and, and walk in that. And, and allow that to be how you interact in relationship with one another and how you interact with those on 75 that won't let you merge. And instead of, you know, never mind. Yep. Remember that the humble believer finds favor in the eyes of the Lord. So when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we no longer have the capacity or the bandwidth to pursue selfish ambitions. Hear me, understand this. This isn't to say that, that God doesn't want you to in advance in your job. This isn't to say that God doesn't want you to a- a- advance in your family and, and, and in things in this world. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we need to walk in Humility when we pursue righteousness, when we hunger and we thirst for it. That's a longing for, right? That's deeper than just a, I'm going to look into it. This is a longing for righteousness, saying, God, I want to live a life Of righteousness. I want to be able to withstand temptation. I want to overcome the struggles in this world. And I I want to be able to have relationships with others that are righteous in nature meaning that they are covered by right things, that they are covered by the Lord. And you go, man, we just had this awesome meeting we had this time together and, and God was there. See, that's, that's what it is. This is about walking in righteousness from the moment we wake up till the moment we lie down and saying, oh God, thank you for another incredible day that was led by you. Remember, the whole thing is about being blessed by God. There's greater blessing in humility than there is in selfishness. There's greater blessing in humility than there is in pride. There's greater blessing when we seek the Lord first. He says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. And then what would happen? And then all these things will be given or added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. And out of that comes this overflow of humility and humble service to the Lord and saying, God, I want to be led of you in all things. So one more time, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I'll invite the worship team and I'll I'll end with this. I was about 10 years old and I was going to visit one of my best friends. His name is Ryan Pittman. And at the time, Ryan and his family lived in a little town called Republic, Missouri, just outside of Springfield. And it just so happened that my grandparents were headed to Springfield, Missouri, They had meetings there. And my grandfather said, do you want to come with me? And you can go and stay with the Pittmans. He knew my best friend. They had lived in the area and they had moved out. I said, absolutely. I'm going to go do this. Now, you have to know, and I know a lot of you know this, I greatly admire my grandfather. I mean, to me, just such an incredible man of God and just someone to aspire to be like in so many ways. So the opportunity to spend six hours, even at nine, 10 years old, in a car with my grandparents was, was not a dreadful thought. And we get in the car and I quickly learned that my grandfather had an agenda for me in the car, not in a bad way. He wanted me to memorize the Beatitudes on the way up. He wanted me to learn them, to download them, to digest them, to have them in my heart. David said, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And my grandfather's a firm believer in knowing the word of God. In fact, if you go and see him now, I'm not making this up, at, at 83 years old, we'll be sitting around the table, and he will just stop and say, okay, everybody, give me one scripture right now. Go. Couldn't look it up. You can't look it up. You have to have a scripture ready to go. If you're going to my grandparents' house, if that ever happens, I'll remind you, have a scripture ready, because my grandfather's going to make sure you have memorized something. But he wanted me to learn the Beatitudes. He wanted me to go through every single one of them. And I have to admit that over the years, I haven't stayed as fresh as I should have on them. But I remember in conversation with him as my grandmother decided she was gonna sit in the back and take a nap and I'm sitting in the front seat and we're riding up there together and my grandfather imparts these little nuggets of wisdom all the time. And he said, if you learn to live by these... Lord will bless your steps all along the way. And it was a good reminder, you know, or a good learning moment for me as a nine or ten-year-old just to say walking according to the Word of God only yields the best fruit. Only yields the best fruit. And it starts at the very first part in admitting our need for God. Admitting our need for a Savior. Admitting our need for Jesus. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity to find Jesus. This may be your first time. This may be your hundredth time. You may have been coming to Grace Hill way longer than I've been here. But I know this, that we all have a need for Jesus. We all have a need for salvation, this morning if you're in this place with every head bowed and every eye closed I'm going to ask real simple if you need Jesus if you need to ask him into your heart and the Bible says this if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord then you will be saved and if you say Pastor Ryan I need Jesus in my heart on the count of three just slip up your hand one, two, three anybody here this morning? anybody here at all? anybody here at all? I'm going to give you just a moment. God, I pray just examine hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And here's, this is what this tells me. We're in a community sitting in a neighborhood of Lake Highlands with almost 90,000 people. And there are people that need Jesus to do. We have work to do. We have work to do. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you, God, for this morning. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy, Lord. I thank you for your love. and I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that that you push us and that you challenge us, Lord. that your word doesn't, doesn't leave us room to stay the same, but your word... It empowers us, it encourages us, and it pushes us to be more and more like Christ every single day. So Father, I pray that in our hearts that we will surrender fully to you, that we will commit to serving you fully. God, when it's difficult, that we'll serve you. When it's difficult, Lord, we will choose to follow you. When it's difficult, Lord, we will choose to to be obedient to your leading. That when it's difficult, Lord, we will stop to hear from you. As you lead us, God, I pray that you allow us to walk in humility, to walk in humility. God, not in weakness, God, not not in a downcast manner, but with humbled hearts, with humbled hearts, oh God, knowing that, that you are leading us. And Lord, in that, we can walk boldly. In that, God, we can walk with dignity, And Lord, if we boast, let it be in you. Let it be in you. God, let us be clothed in your righteousness with our hearts humbled before you as you lead us in all things, in all moments, in all occasions. And Father, I pray over everyone here. I pray blessing over them. God, I pray that they will pursue you first. God, that they'll seek first your righteousness and your kingdom. God, and that you then from there begin to pour out blessing, God, as we pursue you. So Lord, I pray that you will cover them, go with them. Father, I pray that you bring them back on Tuesday for an incredible time of prayer together. And then Lord, bring them back Sunday for a great start to our next series, All In, as you lead us into the next greatest phase of Grace Hill and we thank you for it Lord we give you glory and we give you honor for it in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen 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 thank you for being with us this morning I pray that God covers you and blesses you as you go have a great week thank you for listening to this week's podcast Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God and we want to hear from you If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.